This is the Teaching and Learning Podcast from the Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation at Lethbridge College in Southern Alberta, Canada. Located on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, it is the intent of our college community to honour the land from a place of connection and provide an avenue for us all to come together in a holistic way to share stories and learn from each other. Tune in, hit play, and get inspired as guests share their stories and ideas on the dynamic, ever-changing landscape of education, teaching, and learning. I am Donna McLaughlin, a learning experience designer in the Centre for Teaching, Learning, and Innovation at Lethbridge College, and I am the host of the Teaching and Learning Podcast. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Learning Innovation Podcast. Today, my partner in conversation is Nancy Barajas, and we'll be discussing the importance of relationships and community during geographic transitions. Nancy's official title is Educational Development Admin Coordinator of Educational Development at CTLI. She's been at Lethbridge College for almost three years, and she and I work together, so we know each other. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, Donna. Thank you for having me. Really looking forward to talking to you more today about your experiences as an international student. Looking forward to it. So you are our first guest who asked to be on the podcast. Typically, we've sent out different invitations for people to uh, invite them to be on the podcast, but you sent us uh, a request to see if you might be able to be on the podcast. What was your interest in doing that? Um, well, first of all, I thought it was so cool that we were doing a podcast at the center, and I thought it was a great way to start conversations that perhaps would be difficult to have in a regular uh, daily uh, roles. Um, and also, um, like I always wanted to use my experience as an international student Um uh, in case anybody had any questions or anything, like I'm always happy to share my experience per se. I remember 10 years ago when I was first gonna uh, move here and start as an international student, I had a really hard time finding anything really regarding international students, what was their experiences, things like that. So if I could help fill in that gap in any sense, I'm happy to share my experience. I can't really speak from like everybody else's experience, but I'm happy to share what it's been so far. Well, thank you. That's really um, wonderful that you're willing to share your experience because I'm sure that some students and instructors and other people will be able to relate to that. Can you talk about then um, your journey to come to Lethbridge College? My experience for sure. Well, I've been in Lethbridge for over four years now. Before that, Winnipeg was home for six years or six winters. And um, the way my journey began is I was living and studying in Mexico City. Um, I was doing business admin at the time. And after two years, I tried to joined the, the labor force for my degree. And I found a lot of challenges, especially for the university that I was coming. Um, it wasn't really an employable university at the time because it's a public university. Uh, so 
being two years in, then I started to get really nervous about the, the potential opportunities that I could find two more years once I had finished my degree. Um, and I began to look for other opportunities and the opportunity to move to Winnipeg arose. Actually, um, I moved to Winnipeg not knowing anything but the population, really, because it was a short-term uh, decision. But Winnipeg was really just the, uh, the most affordable place to go. So I didn't know the weather. Uh, I've never seen snow before. It was the first time that I would really like be living far away from my parents. Um, so I did my bachelor's degree in Winnipeg. And then right out of school, I got a job at Frito-Lay. And since my major is in supply chain and international business, I wanted to work with the big machines. So the big machines where Doritos are made are located in Lethbridge and Tabor. So that's how I ended up here in, um, in Lethbridge, but I actually didn't really know where Lethbridge was. I just knew uh, Lethbridge had a really good job opportunity. Um, so actually I didn't really prep as much with cultural shock. And that was me when I, when I moved from Mexico City to Winnipeg, I assumed that many things would be different. Um, so I kind of expected it. But moving here, I just assumed that it was another Canadian city. So I naively thought to myself, well, how different can a city be from another one? Uh, so it was, it was a big uh, difference and a big challenge as well, because I didn't have as much uh, community at the place where I was working what I used to work before. So I worked there for two years. And then three years later, I started a job at the college. And through this job, I, I enjoy working at the college so much. I, I tell that to everybody. I enjoy seeing people from different areas and just the opportunity to, I used to call it, do my rounds at the college when I had to go to uh, visit different centers. But also working at the college has provided me with a community that I didn't have before just because I had different schedules. Um, you know, I really enjoy seeing the projects that were working at the center or that my role allows me to work with a lot of instructors from different centers. So I get to know little bits and pieces of uh, what they're working at, what conferences are. Uh, sometimes I even get... Um, well, no, I don't get excited. Sometimes I get lucky and they invite me on their simulations with students. So I get to see them in action. Uh, and yeah, just working at the college has, has provided me with that sense of community. And I have made so many friends and I just feel like I'm part of the Lethbridge community finally. We were originally going to ask you, where are you from? But we ended up not asking that. And um I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about why, where are you from, isn't always the best question to ask. Um, absolutely. And actually, I, I had this little post on Facebook earlier last week about the same topic, and there was some conversation there. Um, so the reason why is I feel that question really doesn't tell much about myself. When, when somebody's trying to, to get to know me better or ask more questions about myself. So just because 
um, a lot of people are from Mexico City, that doesn't mean we are the same person. Um, if people want to get to know me, I would rather be able to share a little bit about my experience, um, about what I like to do, how I end up in Lethbridge, where home is here, which is Winnipeg used to be home and Lethbridge is now. Uh, but sometimes when people ask me where I'm from, especially if they are like a service provider or just a random stranger, I feel like they're asking really like, but why are you here? Oh, I know you're not from here. Where are you from? And so um, is there another way, because it sounds like it's, it's a way to form that connection, to form a deeper conversation or a deeper connection. So what might be a different way to do that? Asking something like, where did you grow up? How long have you been in Lethbridge? Um, have you lived anywhere else? Uh, perhaps leaving it open, because maybe somebody maybe somebody looks just like me, but they've been born and raised in Lethbridge all, all their life, right? So just leaving it open and not assuming, I would say, would be would be a good way to do it, or using the question to share something about yourself, like offering some information about yourself before asking the other person where they're from. Uh, for example, if it's Christmas sharing like, hey, my mom always makes this big meal and I love that she makes this dish. How do you guys celebrate it at home? Do you go home often? Yeah, so there's some different kinds of questions that people can ask that Exactly. And it also invites people to make connections or even develop relationships at that, um, which can be offered with more than I am from Mexico, right? Yeah, good point. Nancy, you mentioned that, of course, every international student is different and everybody has different reasons for why they might choose to study in a different country. Um, why did you decide to go to school internationally? For me, always the uh, the opportunity to travel to be abroad really excite me. And when when I had to make the decision, I thought that coming to study in Canada would allow me to pursue uh, international um, opportunities, or potentially I could always go back to Mexico and still have that international approach. Right now, I don't, I think my interests in my degree and in my professional development have changed uh, right now. I want to, I have found this feeling for community and I really feel like Lethbridge is its home now. Uh, but back then I just, I just wanted to, to be international and travel the world. And I thought having an international degree would allow me to, to do that. Can we go back to that experience of first arriving in Canada and what that felt like? Yes. So um, prepping to come to Canada, it was a very long process. I think it was about eight months from the time that I decided that I was coming to when I actually got my papers and moved here. Um, and throughout the process, saying goodbye to my friends, saying goodbye to my family, packing, like deciding what I was going to bring. It was, it was very hard. Um, I remember I even wrote myself a letter 
at the beginning, once I made the decision, uh, explaining why I had decided to do this and uh, why it was worth it and what were what what was what I wanted to accomplish with moving here. Uh, moving here on the last day at the airport, two suitcases, one way ticket. Uh, my dad just dropped me off and told me, okay, call me when you get there. Uh, we wanted to make it as, as easy and natural as possible, but everybody, like all my family was, was sad and I was sad that I didn't know when I will see them again. Um, when I moved to Winnipeg, I started living with a homestay family, which is a family that uh, rents a room for a student, but they also show them Canadian culture, like just they show you the ropes at the beginning. Um, and that was an adjustment on itself because I used to have my own place when I was in Mexico City and I had a car and I had like I was very mobile and independent and I had to move back to live with a with a family. Um, so there was a little bit of adjustment there, but I think that was one of the biggest blessings that I had moving in because they were, they are currently even my, my Canadian family. They were the ones that showed me the robes and they were the ones that hugged me when I was homesick. Um, so that was, that was a big adjustment. I've never seen snow before. Um, actually, I think I've told this story a couple of times, uh, but the first time I saw snow, I thought it was these, uh, like, I think they're called cottonwoods, these trees that, that leave this fluff. And I remember I saw these trees and then I took this bus and I crossed the river and I kept seeing the fluff from these trees. So I thought, man, they must really like these trees here in Winnipeg. That must be like the, the city tree or something. Um, and by the time I get to school, I finally get some fluff that lands on me and it melts and I see it and I'm like, oh, this is no, it melted. This is it. This is what it looks. And I was so excited all day that I finally saw snow and then it never left for six months. That's an amazing description of snow and then the reality. <laughs> yes, it never left for, for, uh, for six months. I remember it felt so long. I couldn't wait. It was probably January and I was already, uh, count marking the days because on the 21st of March when spring starts I thought that's when it starts to get really warm in the city and yeah it was going to be summer until then till September in my mind there was there was a lot of uh, learning I remember it felt like I was learning 24 7 and the first year I was always tired because well let alone learning in English or learning math in English, which that for me was the hardest, but it's also learning how to cross the street and learning how to catch the bus and learning like even people's distance or how to say hello to people. Um, it was, it always felt like it was a lot of learning. Um, for example, once I was so tired, I came home from school. So it was like 1 p.m. And I slept and then I woke up at 7.30 and it was dark because it was winter. So I woke up, I jump out of bed, I put on my jeans, I'm running to the bus stop and I notice it's really dark and nobody's coming and the, there's nobody on the streets. Well, it was 7 p.m. 
and it was still Monday. It wasn't Tuesday yet. So it wasn't time to go to school yet. So I had to go back home and sleep another 12 hours to go to school. Things like that will happen all the time because it's like you're, you're in a new place. There's um, like there's nobody really to, to have your back at times it felt because it's just really me alone and I'm supposed to be an adult and I'm supposed to like take all these classes and, and figure it out. So for the first year, it was challenging. I would say after the first year, I finally felt like I was at home and I had already made some friends and I had learned all the seasons, which really helped. Um, and then from there, I started to get more involved into university and all, all these activities they had. When you came to studying in Canada, um, I've heard the phrase that, you know, all education is culture-based. So, you know, there might've been some differences that you found in the way people teach or, or the assignments. Can you talk about how that experience was for you? Uh, yes. Well, at the beginning, it was a big slice of humble pie. Um, I realized that completing assignments and studying for, for, for school and prepping, it would take me way longer than it used to back home. So that also made me learn how to time manage better or at all. Um, the fact I learned or I realized the fact that I, I have an accent, which studying back home, I wouldn't necessarily uh, be aware of that. And I was shy to even participate in class because I could tell that people knew I was different or I wasn't from here simply by the fact um, by the way they, I spoke and the way they heard me. Definitely there's a lot, there was more work at home that I had to do. Uh, I, my big math has never been a big strength for me, but learning math in English was twice as hard. Uh, so I remember going back home, for example, and looking YouTube videos of algebra in Spanish so I could learn, I could study for next day's class, so I couldn't, I wouldn't fall behind. Um, even the way uh, we are expected to enter the classroom if we're late, it's different here than back home. Back home, instructors don't appreciate that we interrupt class, so we are supposed to wait until there's a break. And here I was doing the same. And once I had an instructor found me sitting outside and he was, a little bit offended by the fact that I'd rather be sitting outside than in his class. But really what I wanted was not to interrupt the class. That's an excellent example of some of the, the maybe miscommunications that can occur um, with instructors and international students. So what advice would you give or what would you like to tell instructors in Canada about international students? If I look back at what I wished when I was an international student, I think I would like for people to give me the benefit of the doubt. I know not necessarily treat me differently just because I come from a different culture. Um, I would like for, I would have liked for my instructors to be more approachable. 
um, and encourage anybody that had doubts about the assignments or anything to, to reach out. For me, it was, it was very important seeing instructors that as me came as international students and see that they, they were now, you know, they finished their, their whole process. They have now graduated and they were now locals and they were teaching other international students. For me, they were always my, my role models or something to, to look at and say like, see, that's, that's possible. Um, so what I would say uh, for other instructors is try, try to get to know these the students, try to, to get to know their traditions and uh, give them the benefit of the doubt, but don't treat us differently. That's a great message for instructors to hear. What would be advice that you would give to international students? You talked about role models that you had, and now you are likely yourself a role model for other international students. Um, so what would you tell them? That's a very nice thought to have, actually. Um, I would tell them, don't be shy. Don't be, don't be afraid to, to say, to ask the wrong question or mean, meaning to ask one question and then it comes out the wrong way. Don't be afraid of that. Look for, look for a cultural ally. And this is a person who you, maybe your best friend or someone that you have a lot of confidence that you can go and ask them questions. And these questions at times might be inappropriate, but not because you're meaning to do so, but because you want to learn more about the culture and you're curious and you really want to know why. Um, so having a cultural ally, it's a big step in getting to know the culture better and get involved at school. We have so many, so many things happening where they can meet other people or learn um, other areas of, uh, sorry, let's go back. Get involved at school. Um, that's a great chance of meeting people and also learning new vocabulary. When you were in Winnipeg, did you get involved in some activities that helped you form that sense of community and become more familiar with the culture? Yes, I wish I'd done it sooner. Um, like I said, I, I was very self-conscious for, for the first little while, uh, but I joined... I joined five days for the homeless and I was one of the students that slept outside at school to uh, fundraise for homeless youth. I joined this group that it's World University Service of Canada, which is a group that sponsors uh, refugee students to come study in Canada. So when I was at school, we we sponsored one student from Syria that year. It was 20, 2015. Um, I also joined a couple uh, activities I had at the faculty, at the business faculty where I was studying. And honestly, through these activities, I was able to meet like so many new friends, so many more international students that I didn't even know they were at on campus. And I got to, to build a, a very strong community which also made, that was one of the uh, strongest years I had as a student. So by that, you mean academ academically as well? Yes. That was one of the strongest academic years that I had. That's really interesting that forming that community, I mean, it not only helps you 
feel more comfortable and, and, you know, eases the homesickness, but it also helps with academics. Yes. And it also helped me lose the fear of going places where I didn't know anyone or going, venturing to other areas at the university that weren't really part of my degree. Uh, because as a student, really, there are a lot of benefits of being a student. They're part of the community and there are many resources we, we can access. Just like all international students, you have had, uh, you have a family in Mexico, your parents. What was their response when you said you were traveling internationally? How did they support you in, in studying in Canada? My parents were very supportive and actually coming to study abroad, it's, it's a very expensive process. Um, so all the fact that I was able to come study here, actually, it started from my grandpa, which is my dad's dad. Uh, my, my dad is from very humble beginnings. And uh, my grandpa was able to save money. And then my dad was able to save money with the effort that I was able to pursue uh, like a better education at some point. So my, my parents were very supportive of it. However, it did leave economic stress in, in my family because everything really was coming here to pay tuition. And even for me, it was, it was really hard being so mindful of every single expense that I had. Um, I remember Fridays for me, treat was getting a nice cap from Tim Hortons and a bagel with cream cheese. So, so it, was, it, was, it was a big um, effort that we all did as a family. Also, mind you, 10 years ago, there was, well, I didn't have a way to call or video chat my family. There was no Facebook. There was no WhatsApp. So I still remember going to the store and buying calling cards and having five minutes to call my parents. So really, we wouldn't talk as much and we wouldn't have the chance to, to really get in touch and catch up about the things that were happening. We just really hope that we all were doing good. Um, and when I will talk to my parents, I wouldn't really tell them about when I was homesick or if I was sad or if it was really cold because, you know, they, well, I knew they were doing their best, but they could from back home. Does that add a lot of pressure as a student when you know that your family has, you know, is making these sacrifices for you? Absolutely. Um, I think the load, it's even harder because, I mean, I know I had to be good at school, but I also knew that my parents back home were paying for this class that I was taking, that I should be studying. Um, I was thinking back about how my my parents and my my friends would be missing me. And then since I, I remember telling myself, like, since I did this big, I used to call it this big mess, this big move. I already cried. I say goodbye to everyone. I already moved to a new place. The least I can do is to do good. But also I was like, you're always tired because you're always learning. And it's a 24 seven learning curve. So it's, you do feel pulled in many places. Um, 
and I think for for many years actually I never really dealt with the fact that I was missing family that I was also um like that I also had emotional needs if we put it in a way because I was very I had a big goal and I was always focused on finish school having good grades getting a good job that's a really good way I like the expression you used of being pulled in many ways you know pulled in many directions lots of pressures coming from different areas. If an an international student finds that they are struggling, maybe they're experiencing, you know, some culture shock or just the added pressures, um, what advice would you have for them? Um, Well, remember, you're not alone, although that's a little bit cliche. A lot of the students that you have as classmates are are going through the same thing um you know remember your goals and the reasons why you decided to make the big move what you want to accomplish and try picturing yourself on the other side of the mountain it it could be overwhelming at times knowing how long it it takes like how much uh long you have from the road ahead but um, remember your the reasons why you moved here and break it take it one step at a time Um, cultural shock it's normal and it happens to everyone it's part of the process Um, but picture picture yourself successful and on the other side picture yourself at your at your convocation and just take it one step at a time. That's a really great reminder to, you know, both remember, you know, what the goals were in the beginning, and then also to look forward to, you know, where you'll be at the end. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a little bit of a turmoil at the beginning with all the emotions. I remember when, when I first moved here, I wrote myself a letter of why I had made this decision and why, what I wanted to accomplish with this. Um, and just, just to be mindful. And at times when, when I perhaps felt lost or I felt really overwhelmed, I would open this letter. It was like a break in case of emergency letter for me, but it was, it was a nice way to see my words or like see the, the words of Nancy from the past. Um, telling me, right? Like we can do this and you decided to do this because you want to pursue a bigger, a better education. You want to have opportunities. You, you want to make a difference for someone. Um, that definitely picked me up throughout the process at many times. Those are great ideas. So this podcast is the Learning Innovation Podcast. So I do want to talk about the role of innovation in your education? This is, uh, this is a topic that is really close to, to heart. Um, and I am very happy to see that now we have resources that back when I was a student, I wish we had. Um, I remember at the beginning, I used to daydream, like if we could only get classes that are recorded so then I could listen to them later at home or I could put closed captions, which are things that we have now available for students. Um, like I said before, when, when I moved here 10 years ago, there was, uh, like technology wasn't as big as it's now. Uh, so talking to my parents or having the ability to build connection was 
was a really hard thing to do. Um, and it's also really hard because you can't keep track of what your friends are doing or, or your friend's life. So you instantly feel like an outcast. Um, so now with COVID, for example, I'm able to use all these tools and me and my family talk about what a difference this could have made 10 years ago. Also, the fact that we're able to access so many resources from home that also also has helped me like during COVID I have been able to to access some resources or uh, some support groups especially for for mental health things like that things that before when I moved here I would have probably really benefited from um, from learning techniques about how to deal with cultural shock um, and like I said I one of the things that I enjoy the most about working where we're at is the fact that we're able to create solutions based on the current student needs. And we are able to be very responsive to, to the needs that our students have or our instructors have. So uh, many of the innovations have um, come through technology, but as you say, also just a, generally an increase in resources such as different student supports? Yes. Um, again, going back to when I first started as a student, I don't remember seeing as many resources for mental health, for example, than the ones we have right now at the college. And I'm very happy to see that it's everywhere and we are removing stigma about accessing these resources. Um, thinking back, I perhaps would have been um, a good candidate to access these services during my first years, just because, like I said, I was being pulled in many, many directions and I, I needed some extra support, but I, I didn't have the information to, to make a decision or to actually reach out to these services. Um, I want to talk about your entering the job market and what that experience was like. So when you finished your degree in Winnipeg, what was it like to enter the job market? Did you experience any barriers um, in that process? Short answer, I would say no, but um, I joined, I started my education on how to join the job market while I was still a student. I took part of uh, co-op education, which means that uh, part of my credits came from job postings that I had throughout my, my degree. And being joining this program, I think was one of the best things that I've did during my, my time at the University of Manitoba because the job force on itself, it's a different culture and it's very different compared to, to where I come from. So having someone in, in my corner um, that would show me how to build a resume, how to prep for an interview, what are the best ways to, to interview, things like that really um, gave me a lot of confidence once I, was, I had graduated to, to go and apply these skills. Um, however, I think had I not had any of these 
insights, it would have been very hard for me to to apply at a job just because I wouldn't I wouldn't really have known how to how to start. Would you say that something like a a co-op or a practicum or work experience learning is a good way for international students. I mean, any student, but certainly for international students to, to make that um, transition into the job market. 100%. Um, Joining the workforce as a student gives us the, the opportunity to, to make mistakes as we're learning. I, at least for in my my experience, that's how I felt, um, and it gives you the the confidence to go and ask more questions. Also, while I was in in my co-op program, I had the support of my instructors, which I could reach out at any point. So, I would say, if we want to get immersed in the culture, why not take every single opportunity there is to to learn something new, to learn an area of the culture that we are not exposed to on on the regular basis. Um, Actually, uh, Dr. Natalie Barfus and I, we are uh, doing what we would like to do a subtle research project about work integrated based learning. Can you talk more about this project? Absolutely. Uh, so this project was a pilot project. It was done the last two years at the Ledbridge College. And with COVID, it's really hard to have practicums or to have offers that are face-to-face. And this is a platform that allows companies to be in touch with either students or whole classes. And they get to benefit from each other and create a relationship. The way it was implemented at the college was class, whole classes will list the skills or the products that they would be able to create at the end of this course. And then they would be matched with companies that will require of the services or skills to have an end product. The goal for this is for students to be able to use the knowledge that they're using in the classroom while also learning other skills that would be beneficial for them once they're in the workplace. For these companies, they are able to develop relationship with talent that is currently being, uh, like they're currently in school, but they will be graduating in the next couple of years. So they're able to get something fresh, something that they know they have the support from the instructors while they were doing it. And finally, once um, the successful projects are sent to the company, the best, I believe the best three projects, they give a letter back to the students, which is real experience, real labor experience. And they are able to add these to their portfolio. So this is a way for us to prepare students better to to join the market force. And also this aligns very nicely to the Alberta 2030 goals. That sounds like a really exciting project. And so that is using um, a platform called Ripen. Is that um, R-I-I-P-E-N? Correct, yes. 
Um, they currently have been using Ripen to do this matching with companies and classes at the college. And what we would like to do is to measure what was the effect that these projects have had with the students, um, the, if had there been any benefits for the class itself. And also we would like to create a set of best practices if anybody else would like to incorporate these to, the, to their course. That sounds like a really, really exciting project and I'm looking forward to hearing the results as you develop them. Well, thank you. We just uh, submitted our application for the STAR grant and in a few weeks we'll have the results, but looking forward to, to sharing the results if we are successful. In talking to you, it sounds like you see different cultures in many different ways and in different places. You've talked about an academic culture in the university environment and maybe a different culture in the work environment. And that's reminding me of an article you posted on Facebook recently. It talked about three ways people connect to places. Could you remind me? Okay, it's uh, rituals, relationships, and restrictions. Um, so if I talk about the culture, I would say even perhaps every college has its own culture, right? Like we as a center, we have a culture of the way we, we relate. So I think that's based on that. It's how I see culture. I wouldn't see it based on a country or a particular major for students, but it's just a group of people and how they relate or the relationships they have. Uh, this author, when I found her, she really hit home because I understand the fact that she says she has two homes. And when she, I think she lives in the States now, but she grew up in, in Africa. And it's the same thing here, like Canada for me right now, it's, it's home. And when I go back home to Mexico, I love seeing my parents. I love seeing my friends, but it's not the same place that I left really because I have changed and the place have changed and everybody else has changed. But my parents and I, we still have the same culture when we have the opportunity to be together because there are the relationships that we have or the, the connections that we share. Is that experience likely an experience that other international students share as well after they've spent a certain amount of time in Canada or in another country? I think so. Um, I was actually Googling a quick image about cultural shock before starting this meeting. And I saw that usually cultural shock goes with the honeymoon and then you start to, to compare. And then it goes at the bottom where, where it's a little bit uh, sad and despair. And then we go up to, okay, it's normal. But now there's a second part of cultural shock when people go back home and then we have the same cycle where we're comparing or you realize that things are new. And then you realize that the place that you left, it's not the place, same place that you're coming back. I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And then realizing that this is home now, although back home are all your memories and all your traditions. Um, for example, this year for me, uh, I got my first Christmas tree. I've never had a Christmas tree before. And for my ornaments, I ask uh, friends to, to give me ornaments. So those are like my family heirlooms 
because I, I really don't have family or sometimes I might feel like I don't have a lot of traditions here or not a lot of roots. So that's a way for me to create roots and create my own traditions and maybe my own culture with my circle of friends. Those ornaments sound like there'll be wonderful connections too, to those memories of those people and those relationships with those people. Absolutely. And then every year when I put my tree, I'll remember that that was the year that we had COVID and the year that we got, we learned to appreciate many, many things that we took for granted. Mm, yeah. Isn't that exactly true? On our podcast, one of the very last things that we uh, ask of our guests is if there is something that you have loved learning recently that you would like to share or um, some kind of a recommendation that you have? Uh, yes. So lately I've been working on mindfulness. And like I said before, working out, it's something that has helped me. So I came up with this mindfulness run, which means, um, so I've, I've started running outside and I, I just like, I try to not even cross the streets. I just go through the edge of as far as I want to go, but I make a point of really taking in all the details, you know, like how many times do we run by places and we don't even know what number that house is. Um, so I've, I've noticed that has really um, helped me in my mood and my mental health. And also, I mean, at Christmas, it was really nice because I got to see all the decorations and really take them in. Uh, so that's, that's my newest thing that I've learned. Well, that sounds like a wonderful way to, uh, to keep yourself happy and, uh, and running is, is such a great activity. Yes, it's also a great way to get to know your neighbors now that everybody's at home. Nancy, it's been wonderful talking to you today, and I'm really glad that you asked to be on the show to share your experiences. Of course, you know, every international student has slightly different experiences, but I think that what you have shared will be very helpful for any international students that are listening, and also will be really helpful for instructors and staff and, you know, anyone who works with international students to better understand what they're going through. Thank you so much, Donna. I am uh, very happy that you guys gave me the opportunity to, to share this. And uh, I am excited to see what we have in store for the next five years at school. This episode featured Donna McLaughlin as host and Nancy Barajas as guest. Jude Bialik was our producer. Ryan Robinson was our sound technician and editor. Thank you also to Daryl Benebeck, Joel Godry, Kelsey Jansen, Mike Smith, and Tyler Wall for their ongoing support and expertise. Our podcast is funded by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning, and Innovation and recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. For more information and inspiration, check out learninginnovation.ca. For the TED Talk by... Taya Selassie, check out the link in the episode description. Mm -hmm.